Hello and welcome back fellow imperfectionists. On this episode I'm joined by the passionate and knowledgeable Scott Jukes. Scott is director of his own company which is called Studio Jukes who provide digital design, marketing and video solutions. This episode was taken as part of a wider discussion that me and Scott were having. Honestly, I think every conversation me and Scott have could be an episode. He's a really good friend and just one of those really insightful and knowledgeable people. But to that effect, it deviates slightly from the usual format. My particular favourite part is Scott's take on the very much digital era that we are rapidly being forced into with less and less face-to-face contact because of the ongoing pandemic. He really does know a lot about what really goes on behind some of our favourite online platforms, which is super interesting to hear about. And as a follow-up based on some of what Scott talks about, I did actually go ahead and watch The Social Dilemma, which is the documentary Scott references. Now, it is well worth a watch if this kind of topic really does interest you. The show has truly opened my eyes to what actually that a lot of us live in our own version of reality, especially online, because since we tell social media what we like and what we don't like, along with some of our other opinions, it really does generate content based on this for us. So we are really unlikely to see anything that contradicts our values. And no two people's newsfeed is exactly the same, which is definitely something that I'm keeping at the forefront of my mind moving forward just in everyday life. Additionally, there has, of course, been further Twitter drama with the politician that we talk about, um, as this was recorded a little while ago. So that's all interesting and contributes to the conversation. And recently in my free time at the moment, I'm studying loads about coding, psychology, social media, and I feel this episode just nicely ties all of those elements together. Anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy and I would love to hear your opinions on the topics raised. So just get in touch via my Instagram or web page. On with the show. So welcome to Scott. Hi Al, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a digital designer, sort of graphic designer. I've been doing design now for around 20 years and currently I'm sort of specialising in in sort of the digital side. So I do a lot of uh, web development. Thanks Scott. And um, what's interesting as well is I think that, that the age that we're in, you say you're in sort of digital design. I think people are definitely growing awareness about what that involves, certainly uh, as an event planner, obviously we're not doing face-to-face events at the moment. We have been completely thrust into the digital world. So do you find yourself having to like educate more and more people um, about the kind of background of the things you do? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's quite difficult as well because um, certainly for myself, I've I've kind of um, sort of been in the industry now for. Uh, a, a sort of a reasonable amount of time so I've kind of gone from the point where it was more sort of traditional media sort of print media and that kind of thing when I came in and I was I basically I worked in publishing publishing was my first main sort of design job and so I did that for a number of years but I've always sort of had one sort of foot in in sort of like the sort of the the things that are kind of coming coming along so like the sort of the digital side of things so I've kind of been there through that evolution where you know um, all the sort of social media and things like that came in 
And I think I think sort of now you've kind of got a generation who are kind of growing up and, and it's kind of normal for them, things like Twitter, Facebook, you know, being able to do um, sort of video and, and almost kind of doing their own sort of little sort of design things with apps that kind of allow them that flexibility is kind of more mainstream, but certainly for businesses, more tradi- sort of more established businesses that have been around for a while, um, it's, it is a case where you kind of have to sort of talk them through and just sort of make them aware of what some of these th- these platforms can offer, you know, uh, how the social media fit, uh, feeds into their website, how that will create backlinks which will allow traffic to their website and, you know, how, how people can find them online. Because whilst you can... You can say, "Oh, I would like a website for my business, and I, you know, I want to, or I want to revamp my website." I think um, often people think that designing a new website or creating a new sort of flashy presence online will kind of just automatically bring traffic to them. And the, and the reality is, people need to be informed, like through social media or through your other marketing channels, and and know where to find you. You know, it's 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 like basically putting a, a shop up on the outskirts of town and but not telling anybody that you're there you know no one's going to find it so <laughs> I love that analogy yeah, so <laughs> yeah so I think education is a big part of it yes imagine it's such a rabbit warren as well like you say all these things sort of interlink and lily pad onto each other but I think it's super cool to note that it's it's not new it's not a new world for everyone if, yeah. in that sense a lot of people are are being faced with it but you know there's a lot of experts that have been dealing with it for ages and I think people overlook that so that's crucial absolutely do you want to give a uh, following on from that your definition of what is perfect uh, yeah I think it's one of those things um interestingly I've sort of been thinking um sort of just in recent times a lot about how how we use language and how it can be interpreted in different ways and I think often we use terms um, because it derives a certain feeling sort of within us or, you know, within conversation, um, you'll react a certain way, say, say, say a given word, and that kind of sums up your feeling of the thing. And it might not be sort of accurate to what the actual meaning of the word is, but it, it's kind of s- sort of summing up how you feel in that moment. And I think often, like when I think about perfect or sort of what that sort of means, for me personally, it's kind of more of the um, an impression. It's, it's like if I'm working on something and I'm really happy with the way it's turned out, and it comes up to my expectation, even though there's often things that I would change or like it doesn't quite feel right, I'll often just say, "Oh, that's perfect," and it's in all. I guess all I'm really saying is that that really meets my expectation. That's really that's you know that's really satisfying sort of thing, but. You know, if you were to kind of take the dictionary definition of perfection, it wouldn't it wouldn't come close probably because it doesn't it doesn't tick all of those boxes. So I, I find those those kind of things quite interesting because it is one of those terms which is purely subjective and very personal. It's like you can say something's perfect, and what would be perfect to you won't necessarily be perfect to someone else. So yeah, I, I think that's kind of how I would how I would frame that. I love that, and thanks for pulling in. What you're saying about language, that makes total sense. And I think thinking about it, realistically, all of us probably have our own dictionary in our head when it comes to kind of vocab and stuff, because it's based on things that have happened to us or things that we would personally describe, you know, perfect is just one example of that. Uh, but, you know, no one really goes by dictionary definitions, you know, to the to the book. If you look at a dictionary definition, obviously that 
resides in your head. But when you're having a conversation, you're not constantly looking at the definition of the words. It's more about what you think it means. So really, we're all kind of walking around with our own dictionaries in our head and just using that to describe almost like you say with your your work and how it's met your expectations. Um, and you used a really good word there as well. It's escaped me now, but um, it was at the start of your your explanation. I'd have to listen back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, language is completely um, subjective to the person. Absolutely. I think it's is completely accurate. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it is interesting as well because it's, I think it's particularly, I think in the time that we're living now, is particularly kind of um, pertinent because I think there is so much kind of misunderstanding um sort of in society about you know what the meaning is behind what a lot of people are saying you know whether you take it from a political point of view or whether you take it on a on a kind of more personal point of view you know you've got different groups and they're all they're all kind of feeling very um at times very sensitive or very um you know offended by 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 given things and it's and i think it's really important that you 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 kind of empathize with what what people are trying to say and when people are in conversation whatever the forum that you you you're really looking at it from both sides and trying to understand where they're coming from because there are so many factors that come in come into play when you're when you're dealing with um, different societies, different individuals, different groups, and it's very easy to misinterpret the intent. And I think intent is everything behind, you know, when you're when you're you know conversing or or exchanging ideas. The intent's really important, and if you get the intent wrong behind what somebody is saying and what their meaning is, then you can you can go off down a track which is can be quite disastrous, you know. And, and I kind of think that a lot of that is going on today because I think as well, people in some cases aren't necessarily educated to the right level to know what they're saying isn't correct or that they're being kind of factually incorrect by what they're putting forward, but also that they don't realise the sort of sensitivity around those issues. And so that kind of um, ignorance in a, in a way, I don't mean it as, as aggressively as that, but mm. that kind of ignorance is is um, can be quite sort of dangerous if you don't have somebody on one side or the other who's able to kind of be accommodating and, and, and sort of understand, or they might not quite mean that. What they might mean is is is, is something else. Let's just let's talk this through and really try and understand what's being said here because obviously important to that party. So... So yeah, I think it is, you know, perception and empathy and, you know, understanding on both sides is is kind of a crucial thing, but it, it does seem to be a bit of a, a a point at the moment in 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 time where where that we're going through where that's all being kind of worked out if you like. <laughs> mm. I think you'd be a really good negotiator and you have that in common with Rob as well because um <laughs> to your point you. he has <laughs> <laughs> he has this phrase that he always says to me, which is impact versus intent. So it's, um, I guess the impact is on, so when he's having a conversation with a colleague, for example, the impact is completely in their court versus the intent of what he's saying to them is under his control. So he always says he has to manage his communication, but ultimately if the impact is in the court of the other person, if it's down to their perception, you know, there's not always something you can do. So you yeah. have to have that conversation of actually what your intent behind that was before you can 
kind of judge it. And I loved even in your explanation there, you had the word ignorant in. And I think you're so right. That word can carry such aggression. Um, but actually, the kind of definition of it is just not knowing things. And, you know, we're all ignorant to a certain degree um, yeah. in any walk of life kind of thing. And totally in the world of, you know, Twitter, for example, that we're in, I can think of one particular person in the current election, um, who is very <laughs> much a keyboard warrior. And, there is that kind of impact in what he's saying and um, and everyone as well. We're in the age of, it's so easy to just comment under something and give hate comment to, you know, someone putting themselves out there on YouTube when I don't think you would say that to someone in real life. I think it's hiding behind a screen that comes into it as well. Absolutely, yeah. And you kind of become divorced of any kind of consequence in those kind of situations as well. It's, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to just fire a message off into the cosmos and, you know, cause all kinds of damage by doing that and have kind of almost zero culpability for for, 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 do, for those actions. But, yeah, in particular, the person you're mentioning is... is I, I, you know, I think that is is one of the sort of really real sort of dangers now. Is you've you've had somebody who's sort of been in a position of power, but doesn't seem to really have any kind of um, concern about about you know that power and, and and the impact that you know words have, you know, coming from a, from that position. And and you know what's really worrying is it kind of opens the door for. For other people to be equally as you know, sort of dismissive in in the, in the way that they kind of put their put their ideas across, and and that in somebody who kind of leads a nation is quite a dangerous thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, you don't want somebody, you, or you don't want a situation like that occurring. You know, um, you know, on a regular basis, because eventually that's going to spiral out of control to a point where you have you know, countries going to war with one another because people are just saying whatever they whatever they like and actually inaccurately reporting what's actually going on. So yeah, I think it's it's very important to be be sort of conscious of what you're doing when you're when you're sort of putting those ideas out there on those platforms. Yeah, no, definitely. And can you imagine actually just thinking about it, if all the other leaders of the, you know, world's countries or whatever acted in the same way on Twitter as well, I think you're right. I think we'd have all been blown off the face of the earth by a nuclear <laughs> attack by now because it, it's, you know, very fueled by that. And interestingly, Rob's been following the election very closely. He loves all of the, the politics over there because it's quite an interesting system and very different to what we have in the UK. Yeah, likewise, yeah. He, so he, he follows the politician on Twitter and recently Twitter have censored uh, the the tweets they've put them so when you're scrolling in your news feed if as long as it's not marked as sort of sensitive or um, maybe controversial content the the tweets will automatically show but they've been marked or reported if you like as potentially not true so it actually hides it unless you click to consent to view the tweet Um, and I think it was something along the lines of uh, basically saying this might be fake news kind of thing you have to click okay to proceed to view it kind of thing so there is a I suppose an authority that's kind of stepped in there but it, yeah it's been very very interesting yeah yeah and that that's a whole that's a whole other area as well that's quite interesting is the sort of the way platforms are sort of trying to navigate this kind of censorship issue and sort of where they're responsibility lies sort of in protecting these sort of individuals and groups and, and and all the rest of it sort of thing i think that the new netflix documentary the social dilemma goes into a lot of detail on that and that's a really interesting watch um to to sort of see it basically addresses the thing i mentioned earlier about um how 
we've basically, you know, um, now got sort of a generation growing up with social media and the impact that that has. And there's some, some really interesting statistics, um, which I won't try to <laughs> go into because I'm not very good at remembering the details. But essentially, I think it was something to do with statistics uh, with, with um, sort of children and teenagers growing up with social media and the kind of the kind of issues that they have. I can't remember if it was like mental issues or, or you know, other other sort of issues that are kind of, you know, detrimental to themselves. But essentially, there is basically a graph that goes up from the point where social media starts to become a thing. Um, it the, the graph just goes up steeply up until like sort of present day. So there is definitely a, a, a correlation there, which is um, interesting to see. But it, it will be fascinating to watch how they how they kind of go forward and, and try and sort of flatten those curves, um, sort of redress that balance between sort of something that's quite quite beneficial and, and people's sort of mental health being not so at risk. <laughs> mm. That is mad. I will take a look at that. I, that I've just had a little Google. You've brought that to my attention. It hasn't come up on my Netflix yet, but I'll definitely take a look at that because it, it's a topic that's super interesting in terms of like responsibility of, because I don't think personally the platforms, you know, they're not responsible for people putting out the content that they are. It's just difficult because, you know, with the age of like fake news and things, you know, people need to be more educated about what they are posting, what they are resharing, checking facts and stuff like that. You know, we could talk about that until the, the cows come home. It's, insane amount of choice facing young people and I I sometimes come off social media feeling pretty depressed and pretty anxious because you know it is it's a highlights reel there is so many you know people that are better looking more successful out there um, in the world because you know there's millions and millions of people on this planet but what social media does is draw the attention to it and make it look as if it's mainstream which is yeah. my personal problem with it well absolutely and actually it's kind of it's quite interesting so it, there's essentially what what the uh, the the show kind of highlights is the fact that so you've you've got a lot of like young people and and you've got parents and sort of now parents have kind of got this ability to kind of have this kind of virtual nanny if if you like with with the social networks and you know all the entertainment on ipads and iphones and things so they just let their, their kids sort of use that so the kids are doing that more than children obviously have done in the past where they didn't have have those things but the react the what what's interesting is what's going on behind the scenes with the platforms so the platforms have realized that attention is everything so everything on the platform is designed to keep the user's attention on that platform for as long as possible so it, it looks at they've got algorithms and things that and sort of ais if you like that kind of look at how you're you're using different um sort of apps and basically what pages you're looking at what images you're looking at what things you're spending a lot of time doing and it collates all that data for everyone but it it also works out that all oh, this this particular thing generates more time on the platform so then they push that into your feed as a recommended as a recommended piece of content and obviously that keeps you on the platform now the result of that in a young impressionable child is that if they're just they're not they're not sort of doing any kind of intellectual sort of thinking about any of this depending on their age they just use the platforms and they're just reading and looking at videos and things that are being suggested and obviously they're doing that based on an algorithm that's worked out that they will want to look at that and a lot of this content is kind of almost like low value 
low value content. It's not it's not sort of like intellectual kind of teaching them about animals or teaching them about the world or teaching them about anything of any sub- substance. It's kind of the really sort of easy easy to consume stuff that as an adult that you would you would click out on just to be entertained mm-hmm. and um they they were obviously highlighting that you know that's a worrying thing because if kids are pl- spending hours and hours on these platforms and all that they're learning is all of this kind of low value stuff it kind of the influence that will have on them as they develop will be significant because as you've pointed out it's this kind of echo chamber of certain kind of information and you just you get to build this sort of view of the world which is not really real it's just based off of an algorithm which is feeding you stuff just to keep you on a platform so it's quite interesting it's um the show obviously explains it better than i have just done but (laughs) (laughs) I, i get the general gist and it, algorithms is something that fascinates me. But yeah, what you're saying, I, I did know. I was just having a, a browse of Netflix in the background because I'm trying to work out if I have actually seen it, but I think it's too recent. I've watched something similar, what things like YouTube and things like that doing when you're saying about attention with the kids and the iPads. It is almost brainwashing because it is predicting the content, keeping you engaged um, so that it can push the ads and make the money. It's it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear as well, I don't think it's, I think um, another thing that is kind of highlighted with it is it's not, it's not necessarily... Although it's kind of what's going on in the background is intentional from a point of view of actually um, retaining um, attention on the platform, the the intent isn't necessarily malicious. It's, it's, it's more of a byproduct of these platforms evolving. We've never had anything like social media before. It was a new thing. And at its conception, it was merely an, uh, an idea for kind of people to kind of just exchange photos and exchange messages within groups online but it's evolved to this massive thing and now governments have got this issue where obviously it is such a big thing that and you know everybody's using it that they have to kind they're taking a closer look because it's unprecedented it has a it has an impact on society it has an impact on on the way people are kind of being affected sort of with their mental health and one thing and another. And whilst it's not there, you know, people have individual choice to, to use the platforms, but the kind of, um, if you like, the sort of subconscious effect of that, the sort of the, the byproduct of what's going on in the background is very much one of, you know, people are being kind of kept on these platforms through these algorithms. And sometimes the the stuff that's kind of suggested is, is merely just to kind of keep you engaged, but it's not necessarily high value or, or beneficial. So yeah, it's just a really, it's a really interesting area. Mm. Oh no, definitely. I agree with your, your it's a good point because we're making it out like it is malicious, I suppose, or it could be seen that way, but it's not. But the at the end of the day, I think what everyone has to recognise is these companies are a business, you know, yeah. it's not there. Facebook is not really there for, well, maybe as you say, it was started to share photos and things like that, but obviously it's evolved into this, you know, massive corporation um, and, you know, million dollar business, no doubt more. Um, and I think people probably forget that when they're checking into their content and things like that. And I, I think it's a responsibility of the individual to educate themselves about that and, you know, limit their use if they think it's applicable or they can just sit and, and watch YouTube all day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I quite like that, to be honest. It's just I've got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, that feels like a natural place to, to end it. Um, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on and, and sharing your kind of input on this. I think we've talked about some incredible topics here. So thanks so much for your input. Oh, you're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Al. Thank you so much for listening, fellow imperfectionist. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope it has inspired you to get closer to your true purpose in life. If you have a question, thoughts on this episode or suggestions of topics or even future guests, I would love to hear from you. Visit pickingupperfection.com slash participate. You can also follow me on my socials, Instagram, LinkedIn, and even contact me via email. Links for all of this are in the show notes. See you next time. 